We want to read our scripture lessons today. So Proverbs 28, 26. There's one text from the Old Testament. Listen here to God's word. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. Amen. Another Old Testament text we're reading today, which is really our primary text, is from Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 18. This is the Lord speaking through Jeremiah uh, as we begin reading, and it uh, has to do with the uh, fact that the people of God and Judah are not walking as they should, and uh, their sins are written down. But then God gives, through Jeremiah, some penetrating and absolutely devastating insights into human nature. Listen here to the Word of God. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. As a partridge that hatches eggs which it has not laid, so is he who makes a fortune, but unjustly. In the midst of his days it will forsake him, and in the end he will be a fool. Now, Jeremiah responds. A glorious throne on high from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away on earth will be written down, because they have forsaken the fountain of living water, even the Lord. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved, for you are my praise. Look, they keep saying to me, where is the word of the Lord? Let it come now. But as for me, I have not hurried away from being a shepherd after you, nor have I longed for the woeful day. You yourself know that the utterance of my lips was in your presence. Do not be a terror to me. You are my refuge in the day of disaster. Let those who persecute me be put to shame. But as for me, let me not be put to shame. Let them be dismayed, but let me not be dismayed. Bring on them a day of disaster and crush them with twofold destruction. Amen. Our gospel lesson is taken from the Gospel of John, the second chapter of the last maybe three or four verses. Verses 23, 24, and 25. This is fairly early on in Jesus' ministry. 
Listen here to God's word. Now when he, Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, observing his signs which he was doing. But Jesus on his part was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew all men. And because he did not need anyone to testify concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. Amen. We'll take just a few moments to bow our heads and silently meditate upon God's word, which we've read. Gracious God, we long for you. We long for your truth. We long for your word. We long for your presence. We long for your work. We long for your fruit in our lives. We long to glorify you. Ah, Lord God, we look to you. Come and meet with us. Continue to minister to us in this service of worship, now particularly in the preaching of your word. We ask through Christ our Savior, the Lord of all. Amen. I want to tell you two stories from my life. Uh, One was when I was in second grade and one is maybe about 25 years later. When I was in the second grade, uh, Susie Phelps and I loved one another. You may have heard this story before. I've told it a number of times, but Susie Phelps and I were in love. And uh, we passed notes back and forth in class. I love you. And uh, it was good. Hallelujah. So one day, standing in line for the bus to go home, and Bruce Campbell standing next to me. He says, uh, you know what, John? Susie Phelps loves me. She doesn't. She loves me. We pass notes back and forth today. She loves me. Bruce says, well, let's go ask her. So we did. She loved Bruce. Talk about crushed. I still remember it. It took a while to get over that. Maybe when about the second year of my Christian life, uh, I had a breakfast meeting scheduled with our pastor, Charles Hackett. He was going to come by and pick me up, 6.37, whatever time it was, I don't remember now, and we'd go to breakfast. And I was looking forward to that. I had some things I wanted to talk with him about. And the house where I was living at the time had a nice big picture window in the front, and I could watch where the car would come in the cul-de-sac and where it would be. And uh, it came time for Pastor Hackett to show up, and uh, wasn't there, didn't, didn't show up. I said, well, I'll wait a few more minutes, and he still didn't show up. And we didn't have cell phones back then, so I kept waiting for 15 minutes. He never showed up. He completely forgot about our appointment, our meeting. Boy, and Pastor Hackett was a man of God. How could he forget me? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been disappointed by someone else? Have you ever been let down by someone else? Have you ever been betrayed by someone else? I suspect you have. Have you ever done likewise to someone else? Have you ever let yourself down by what you've done? Well, welcome to the club. 
It's all inclusive. We've all experienced that. And Jeremiah was a card-carrying member of that club of disillusioned disappointment. Remember his situation? We talked about this last week. Uh, his message was what? God told, we, we read it. God said, well, what do you see, Jeremiah? I see a pot boiling over, tipping over from the north. And he says, that's right, you see correctly. Because I'm bringing destruction on this people to whom you're prophesying from the north. Judgment's going to come. It's going to fall on them. It's going to be devastating. Jeremiah preached that as the Lord spoke through him. Jeremiah preached that for 30 years. And nothing happened. There was no destruction. He said the nation was in deep trouble. That bad things were about to happen. That they would be overcome by their enemies. That all the wealth and prosperity that they saw all around them would be gone. That the population itself would be deported. That the great structures of the land, houses, temples, all those things would be torn down. Demolished. He proclaimed that for 30 years... And all things stayed the same. That is, there was no judgment. And people continued in their course of idolatry and unbelief. We read here where they mocked him. They say, look, where is the word of the Lord? Let it come. Where is the word of the Lord? Let it come. Jeremiah, you Poor person, you. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. He wasn't wanting that judgment to fall. He wasn't wanting that judgment to come. But he knew that it was coming because God had told him so. And he knew that God could be trusted. We dealt with that last week. In fact, you'll see in verse 16 where it says, But as for me, I have not hurried away from being a shepherd after you, Lord God, nor have I longed for the woeful day. So I'm not wanting this to happen. This is what you show me is going to happen. I don't, I've heard it as much as I could as well. And so he commits his case to the Lord. says, Lord, you're not a terror to me, but a refuge. And he prays for those who are in obdurate opposition to him that it may be demonstrated and proved who is faithfully proclaiming the word of God. May they have that destruction come upon them doubly, as it were. That is both in this life and the life to come. Now, that's the background, that's the context of this here. But in the midst of this, God teaches Jeremiah and us some important things. Number one, the human heart is bad and is not to be trusted. Now that's a shock to most people today and down through history because our default perception or awareness or thought is that we're naturally good. Did you see little Sarah Grace here today? 
She's naturally good. But she's going to tell lies. She's going to steal. Who knows what else she's going to do? She'll be selfish, just like you were. Maybe you are. Well, just let us develop, we say, and we'll all will be well. Our expectations are high. But then Susie Phelps and Pastor Hackett happen. <laughs> and you wonder, how did that happen? The heart is the issue. Remember the passage we read from John chapter 2, Jesus' example? It says he was not entrusting him. All the people liked him. They wanted him. They, they, yes, you're great and it's good. But Jesus was not entrusting himself to them, for he knew what was in man. That's what it said. He knew what was there, so he was not entrusting himself, gonna, not going to put his well-being, his, his life expectancy in those, in people around him. He knew. And of course, we merely need to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and <clears throat> we find out where those disciples are. They're sleeping. And then they're running away when he gets arrested. And then they're denying him on Good Friday. And Peter's saying, I don't know the man. If Jesus had been entrusting himself that, that their response is going to validate who I am, going to make me okay, he would have been undone. But he wasn't. There's a text from Mark 7. Go ahead, Herb, if you put up that text from Mark 7. Uh, if you have it there. Jesus was saying, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men proceed thee. Go ahead. Evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. How's that for a catalog of sin? Then Jesus says all those things come out of the human heart. No one puts them there. They're there. That's our default position. That's why we need a Savior. You can't entrust yourself to someone else. That's how he describes the human heart. Okay, that's good. Thank you. So what's the problem? Well, we're told all the time to follow our hearts. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. Folk, don't do that. Don't follow your heart. Where will following your heart lead? It'll lead to self-indulgence. Because your heart wants it easy. Your heart is on your side, as it were, all the time. It'll lead to self-indulgence and self-rule. You'll be the boss. I want to be in control, and I want to do what I want to do, and my heart will find a way in which it's all right to do that and get away with it. Now, is this a problem today in our contemporary circumstances? Think about economics. Think about debt. 
That is, spending what you don't have. Both personally, people have huge amounts of debt, and nationally. We're a self-indulgent country. We're a self-indulgent people. And it's going to have devastating consequences economically. Think about morality. But I want to do this. It's not right. It's wrong. I don't care. I want to do it. My heart says to do it. And so I will. I've had actual conversations with people more than one who said, well, it's the old thing. Uh, If it feels so good, how can it be bad? They listen to their heart. Folks, that's that's not the way to go. That's wrong. I'm going to do it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to have it. Well, it leads to a bankruptcy morally. How about interpersonal relationships? It's hard to find out if someone, what they say, what they say is really true. Is it a scam? Is it flattery? Are they trying to get something out of us? And we do it ourselves. We, we say things to manipulate people, you know? And that's not right, that's wrong, that's, that's not, not, not good. How about child rearing? We had, had uh, a child baptized today. My observation is that many parents, uh, talking about the whole culture today, take as a basic mode of child rearing that I want my child to be able to make their own decisions and do whatever they want to do. You know, that learn how to, how to do that. May I say to you, that's, that's not a good way to proceed with child rearing. The first thing, the most important thing your child needs to know is that they are not the ones in charge. They need to know that there's external authority and rules beyond them. So to ask your child, well, what would you like to do? Now, I'm talking about little kids here from, you know, two to eight or nine, somewhere in like that. But you should, you should provide direction. You should, we, 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 part of the, the things we talked to Nate and Rebecca about, you're going to teach your kids about morality. Show them what's right and what's wrong. Teach them that. We think they're just little flowers that'll grow up. They're not. They're little weeds that'll grow up. Till God comes and works in their heart and their life. Uh, if you trust in the human heart, what God says here through Jeremiah, he says it's a curse. Cursed, says the Lord, is the man who trusts in mankind. How about that? Because if you trust in mankind, yourself or someone else, you have to turn away from the Lord to do that. It's inevitable. Where's your trust going to be? And that trust in mankind could be in your nation, could be in your uh, family line, it could be any number of things. But if your trust is in mankind or in the flesh, it's not a good thing, it's a cursed thing. And you will not see when prosperity comes. The conclusion then is what 
The Lord says in verse 9, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Now, how's that for a positive, encouraging message? Aren't you glad you're here to hear that from the Lord today? Well, Jeremiah is taught not to end up in despair. So the Lord says that's the condition of the heart. Heart, but He says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind. The Lord knows. Now that's good news. And it's true. Nothing is hidden from God. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to put up this big false stuff. You say, you know what I do? With some regularity, I bet two or three times a day, I'll say, <coughs> Lord, I'm still back with Solomon at the dedication there. I'm but a little child. I don't know how to go out or come in. Help me. Teach me. I mean, I pray that every day almost. Numbers of times. Because I don't know what to do. I know what I can do. I know what I want to do. I know all these things. But, oh, Lord, what should I do? And he says, he knows our hearts. He knows our mind. Nothing's hidden from him. So I don't have to pretend anything, but it does call for action. Look at verses 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord, for he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream. So the one who trusts in the Lord trusts in nothing of this created order. You trust in the Lord. The Lord is the creator. He's not the created. So nothing in this created order do we trust. We trust in the Lord who made it all, who's above and beyond it. He's the one to whom I look, not to man or not to myself or anything else. And there's a calm confidence that comes from that. The Lord is my help. We do the same thing when we think about salvation. I cannot look to things I've done or what someone's done for me. I look to the Lord Jesus. If Christ has not provided for me the way of salvation, then I'm lost. But if he has, all right, he's my rock. There's a calm confidence with salvation. Now, the whole sanctification process of living the rest of your life <clears throat> that has more difficulties along the way. Now, notice what it says there. It extends its root by a stream. That is, uh, if, if, if your trust is in the Lord, the Lord's worked in your heart and in your life, you trust in Him, the roots of your life go down to a stream of water that never dries up. That's always there. Now, when I say that, when God says it here, it's not some formula by which we get rid of all the heat and all the drought. It doesn't say that. It says there will be times of excessive heat. Things will be tough. A time of drought. It feels horrible. But its leaves will be green. You'll stand up. You'll keep on going. Now, it may take a while. Well, not this month, but next month, we'll look at a place in Jeremiah where he's going to get absolutely crushed. It's going to give vent to some things that happen there, but 
you'll see how that whole thing ends. And he, he still, it's a time of great drought for him. So we still have those things. Heats and droughts come, that's life. My wife, she loves me, she trusts in me. She's talking to me, telling her, me her heart. And then while she's in the midst of telling me that, I bring up another subject entirely. I've not been listening to her. That's never happened, has it, Pat? <laughs> it has. She says, what? Here's my husband, he's supposed to love me. He doesn't even listen to me. It's a drought for her. May I say it's a drought for me. Because I do love my wife. I do want her to know that I love her. I wish I didn't do things like that. I'm disappointed, disillusioned with myself. My heart, help, Lord. (laughs) Renew that part of it as well. People will say untrue things about you. Could be a neighbor, could be a co-worker, could be someone in your family, and it's a drought time. But you're got your roots down in the stream, and it's okay. Because your confidence is not here in this created level, it's in there. You know who God is and what he's done for you. Circumstances may be difficult. Health issues. Our family's received a one-two in terms of health stuff, you know? Hallelujah. God's on his throne, right? He knows what's going on. He has us in the palm of his hand. We still have to walk through it. But our leaves are green. We continue to bear fruit we trust. We're all going to have health issues, by the way, you know? I don't, oh man, I'm five minutes over already. Let me get going here. Uh, you're, 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 you know, this drought could be financial. It could be personal. It could be national. I keep wondering, you know, how's the United States going to go down? Because we're due for judgment. How's it going to happen? A big earthquake that takes away the West Coast. A bomb that takes out the electrical grid. Economic collapse. Is China going to invade? Well, I don't know how. I don't even know that it'll happen. But I know that we're ripe for it, and, and my trust has to be in the Lord. Well, Lord, you know what's going on. It could be vocational, that you have some challenges, droughts. It could be the church or churches. Can you believe some of the things the church brought big white is doing and saying? So what should we do? Herb, let's have that next text. Jeremiah had a contemporary uh, in his own time, a guy named Habakkuk. And this is a wonderful prayer and praise from Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Let me read it to you. I could sing it, but I don't want you to leave yet. Here's what Habakkuk says. Though the fig tree should not blossom... And there be no fruit on the vine, though the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. That's called heat and drought, right? All those situations are called heat and drought, just so you make the, you know, the connection here. All those things happen, yet will I rejoice in the Lord, yet will I rejoice in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. 
He has made my feet like hind feet, like deer's feet. It makes me walk in my high places. That is, these difficult places I'm going through that are rocky and hard and, and all these things. He's made my feet such that I don't fall. I don't slip and go away. I mount them and go along just like a mountain goat on the mountains. That's what he says. Now, hallelujah. And that's good. That's what, that's what he tells Jeremiah. Cursed is the one who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. That's what that, that shows. And Habakkuk, is ex- his prayer is a wonderful example of how to do that. By the way, he wrote that somewhere around the year 600, AD, or, uh, B.C. 600. Three years later, in 597, Jerusalem and Judea is going to fall to the Babylonians and the first deportation will happen. In 13 years, 587, the whole country will be raised, and Habakkuk will live that out. This is called grace. That's good. Thank you, Herb. That's good. That's called grace that God brings to us that no matter what the circumstances of our lives, we prevail because God is with us, right? Emmanuel, God is with us. Can man be trusted? Well, the first verse we read today from Proverbs 28 said, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. So no, man cannot be trusted. But he who walks wisely will be delivered. Wisely means with the fear of the Lord, the adoration of the Lord, trusting in God. He will be delivered. So in answer to the sermon's question, can man be trusted? Nope. Nope. Not at all. We don't want to go there. But God can. Reach out. Receive. I'm using reach out. Let's see. Reach down. Get your roots down there by that stream and receive the life-giving water from Jesus Christ. Amen.